Welcome to today's study with Pastor Rick. Reaching thousands around the world by radio and online, Pastor Rick provides answers to the challenges of everyday living. Hi, this is going to be a great study today. You don't want to miss this one. This is Pastor Rick. Today we talk about family. We answer the big question, what happened to our families? I believe that one of the big problems in families is they become sexually distracted and off track. They have lost their way when it comes to the area of their sexual lives. It's amazing how this affects families. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18 will take us on a journey that will help you see how to fix your family. Enjoy today's study. To my family. Say it again. Come on. Say, what happened to my family? We're in a study this year, and the whole study centers around a question. When I look in the mirror, is that the person I dreamed I'd be? And if I'm not the person I dreamed I'd be, the question is, what happened? And so we've been talking about, first month, we talked about what happened to me. And I went through a series of answers, four answers to that question. The second month, we talked about what happened to my money. The third month, we talked about, this month, what happened to my family. And in answering that question, we gave you two answers so far. The first answer, the first week, we talked about the fact that many times we made the wrong investments. We made an investment in our families, but it didn't work out right. Something went wrong. There's no way that you raised these kids and did all this work and ended up with this result. How in the world could you do that? It shouldn't have been like this. The second week, we talked about Families not having a strategic plan or goal. And I said, that's the second thing that happened to a lot of families. You just live. You're a family, and you get up and you go to work every day, but that's about all you do. You just kind of exist. But this week, we're going to take a turn, a fascinating turn. Here's what I believe has happened to families that has been probably one of the most destructive things. Families have become sexually distracted. Now, I'm going to talk about this today and try to use language that doesn't bother you too much. But this third answer to the question, what happened to my family, is really one of the most important ones because for a lot of people, this is very real. Most families, a lot of families have become sexually distracted and what I call off track. Say off track. So the question for you today is, are you distracted and off track? And I'm going to use the term off track throughout the rest of the teaching to kind of make it a little easier for you. But when I say it, you know what I'm talking about. Now, to make this work, I want to simply set the stage and use me as an example. I'm going to put myself in the hot seat. Just me. So you can see it's just me in the hot seat. Just Ricky Temple. Now, I can't put you in the hot seat because it's you, and you might not understand that. So I'm going to sit here, and I'm going to let you respond to me today. I'm going to answer a question, but I need to ask you a question first. Now, before I say this, I need to preface this. Uh, My wife is here, and, um, and I want her to simply testify. Now, Diane, I want you to come on up here again. And I need to put you on video so that nobody can say. And I just want you to just answer this one question for me. Just come on up here. And, uh, you know, I I, I just just, just, just did one question because I don't want to get you rolling. 
This way, yes, you started. I want you to answer just one question for me. Yes, sir. Now, I have been faithful to you. Yes. Right. So there's no hesitation. You breathe in or something. <laughs> you don't just say. No, I yes. thought you were saying more. No, I'm not. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. I've been. I've been. You have been faithful sexu- to been, me. Let's be clear. I've been sexually faithful to you. Yes, you have. I have been. no girlfriends, boy. Not, not nothing. No. I throw that in too. So you know, I'm sorry. I got to throw it all in. I'm sorry. Got to make sure everybody's clear, right? Correct. Totally, completely. Totally. No doubts. No doubts. Thank you, ma'am. That's all I want. All right. Say amen. Come on. Praise the Lord. Come on. Amen. Come on. All right. Now, now I'm saying that because I got to set the stage. So when I talk about this, you can't say he confessing something. There's nothing to confess. Okay. Now, and I'm not trying to be arrogant or above anybody who's had issues. And I'll talk about that too later on, okay, because people have had issues, and I'll, we'll come to that. But what I want to do today is I want you simply to answer a question for me, okay? Here's the question. The question is, if your pastor has been faithful to you, if your pastor has been faithful to his wife, why do you, how many of you think, this is the vote, how many of you think that's important? Raise your hand. You think that's important? Okay, good. All right, fine. Now, now, uh, now this is important. I I want you to tell me why that's important. I think it sets a good example because most of us don't even know a man who's faithful. Okay. Okay. Uh, Glad to meet you. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Glad to meet you. Okay. All right. Yes. I I believe if a pastor um, is a pastor, he should be submitting his life um, to the will and word of God, and if he's not doing that in his personal life, then how can he um, be the spiritual head? Okay, now, okay, now where the brother's at? All right, go ahead, brother. Go for it. The focus of a father figure as a pastor, you are showing me how to be better and to be stronger in Christ's religious way. Okay, so by doing that, okay, thank you so much. All right, now, okay, now, here's the last question. You ready? You ready? Last question for you. How many of you would have a hard time listening to me if I had that problem in my life? I was off track. Raise your hand. How many of you would have a hard time listening to me? Raise your hand high. I want to see your hand. Speak your peace. Come on. I want to see. That means most of the congregations, hands up. Okay. Now, here's the deal. Now, I, I like the fact that I can put myself out here like this and let you talk about me. But I want to change things around a bit. I want to put you in the hot seat. Since you're talking about me and my need for holiness and my need for godliness and my need to be right and you don't want me off track, the question is, are you off track? That's what I want to talk about. I want to switch this around a little bit because here's what I think is fascinating. You have all these views about me. And I I respect it, and I appreciate grace. Let me say this to you. I appreciate grace. I appreciate the fact that some of you could embrace me and help me and love me through seasons of my life, but I think it's important to understand that a lot of people do not understand what the Bible says about your sexuality and how dangerous it can be if you're not careful and if you don't manage it right and if you get off track, what it can do to you. Now, Paul gave some specific instructions in 1 Corinthians 6, 18. And I want you to look at your notes, and I want to show you what he said. This is important. Only time in the Bible this is said. It's incredible what he says. 1 Corinthians 6, 18. He said, if you want to manage this area of your life, I'm going to give you some advice. Paul says simply this. You need to run. 
Here's what he said. Flee for sexual immorality or fornication in the, in the King James. This is the only time in the Bible that says to run, to flee. Now, if you don't know what fleeing looks like, here's what it looks like. Let me show you an image. This is fleeing. Look up at the screen. You see this? I want you to see. I'm going to show you fleeing. This is fleeing. <laughs> I want you to understand, okay? It didn't say talk about it. It didn't say you know, negotiate. He said run. Everybody say run. Listen to me. You're not going to win. You're not going to be able to talk your way out of this. You're not going to be able to pray your way out of this. You came fast out of this. You got to run. Amen. Come on. Give me one amen, people, if you hear me. Come on. Come on. Let me hear you. You cannot do it. Here's, here's why, because of the way you're wired. You're not wired to negotiate with this. It's, it's too strong a part of who you, who you are. You're designed by God to be sexually engaged. You're designed by God. The problem is you're off track. You're operating outside of God's prescribed plan for you. You're going down a road that you can't win. You just can't. And there are consequences that come with this that God only wanted you to resolve in the context of marriage. If you're going to have a $245,000 baby, you need to have somebody to help you with that. You know that's what it costs nowadays. Google it. So next time you're with somebody and you sit down and you're feeling a little bit warm <laughs> and he's getting close to you and he says, give me a kiss. You know, he's just to say, two forty-five. <laughs> <laughs> If you enjoy this, 2.30. You need to just say, this is about $245,000. Up until the time they're 18. Think about that. That's to raise them from zero to 18. God never intended for a single parent to deal with that alone. It's what it brings. It's what it creates. It's all the energy, all the emotionalism. And Paul said, I'm going to tell you now, you go in there with the Bible and you go in there talking about we're going to pray about this, you're going to lose. You go in there trying to negotiate, you're not going to win. Your body will win. There are no stop buttons. So if you start, it's very hard to stop. That's why you need to pause and say, Am I off track? There, you know, there are things, man, you, just, you, need to just let, you need to really get it. There's an amazing, when I was sitting in this, you know, I was ministering to prison this week, and one of the prisons I went to, you know, a good portion of the inmates were, were sexual offend, sex offenders. They were the people who victimized people, asking me questions. How do I go home when I did this? So you got the people who were victimizers, and I'm also talking to the person who were the victims. Well, Pastor, what did you tell the victimizers, the people who did this? I told him, you can't start with her or with him. We can't start with the victim because they're not here. There's a great chance you'll never see them again. For all kinds of legal reasons, you may not even be allowed to be in their presence. We got to start with you. 
We got to start with your heart and your mind. And as hard as this is to hear, you've got to forgive yourself. You've got to forgive yourself for being that person. You know, it's really hard when you're that person. Huh. Victims, I promise I'm coming, but hang with me for just a minute. When you're the person, see, in my job, I've got to talk to the person. In my job, I don't get to choose to exclude the guy standing up there in prison looking at me in front of several hundred guys saying, hey, man, I really messed up my whole family. That's why I'm in here for 20 years. But I get out next year. How do I go home? I don't even have a home. I am branded. And then one guy said, then, man, they're going to put me on this registry, and everybody's going to know. He said, Pastor Rick, what should I do? <laughs> I'm not sure I should have done Q&A. It's what I shouldn't have done. I don't know. <laughs> I said, you've got to forgive yourself. And you have to live with the fact, some things you do, you don't get a second chance at that. You don't get a chance. So start again. Start a new relationship with people and be trustworthy. To the victim, I say. You survived. They didn't win. They don't control your future unless you allow them to. You can put yourself in a place where you were victimized forever, or you can rise up and say, I survived and I will not be defeated in Jesus' name. Come on, say amen. Come on, say amen. I mean that. Both, both need God's grace. Where are you? Now, let me give you, if I can, uh, a, a very simple reason why God said for you not to engage in this kind of activity, why he wanted you to wait, because two things are important. One is God lives inside of you. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, Paul goes on to say. And then not only is it, is, is, does God, look at the text, I'll show you. God says, not only is your body the temple of the Holy Spirit, here's what he says. Every sin that a man commits, verse 18, is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own what? Body. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? See, why you, you're running to protect that. You're running so that you can protect the place that God lives. And the Bible says you glorify God in your body. So this is one of the reasons why you stay on track. And if you lose sight of this, here's what happens. An interesting thing happens. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 5 says this. He says, you lose your inheritance. There's a level of life that God has for you that you will always, hear this now, always be disqualified from if you live this way. If I can just be blunt, a sexually active person outside of marriage never ever touches God's full blessing and full definition of love and relationship. There's a level you miss because of this. Now, I understand everybody has their views, and I get it, but I want you to be clear. There are certain things you miss 
God's word is real clear. And I think what's really hard for people is to imagine, well, what am I missing? Well, I'll tell you a lot of things you're missing. Number one, and God's best for you. And God's best for you is tied up in you entering into a covenant with him. And this is the area. You want to know what's hurt families? This is it, folks. This is it. What, what happened to my family? You got uncles who are out of control. You got daughters. You got wives, husbands. Yeah, I mean, pastors, pastors, wives. This is an area that has destroyed spiritual families. It's destroyed good families. And sometimes you, you just can't figure out what to do about it. Now, here, here's, here's, here's what I want to close with. This is in no way God saying it's bad. Because, you know, people go, well, you know, this, is, this, is, you know this, this whole thing is bad. No, God designed intimacy to be something that marriage, in the context of marriage, is, is healthy. 1 Corinthians 7, verse 2 through 3 says this, but since there is no such immorality, each, but since there is so much immorality, each man should have his own wife. And the word immorality is the same word used for having, um, being fornicating, adultery. All that's wrapped around that one word as it's translated in, the, in this context here. And what it means is each man should have his own wife and each woman should have her own husband. The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife and the wife, wife is the wife to the husband. Marriage, Hebrews 13, 4 says, should be honorable by all and that marriage bed kept pure for God will judge the adulterers and all the sexually immoral. Now, here's what I want you to see. Don't, don't turn yet. Hold on. Hold on. That's a challenge giving y'all notes. You want what's next? Hold on. Here's the deal. Part of the challenge is married people cannot, can often miss the power of having a good, strong, intimate life. And so it shouldn't be some game you play or some card you use to control people. So I'm not trying to give the idea that somehow you should have this, this, this um, anti-intimacy attitude and that, any, you know, that you somehow need to apologize because you have a sexual life. You shouldn't feel sorry for it. And young people that are growing up, these urges and desires you have, they're not evil. It's, it's just learning where. In every other area of your life, you learn where to do what. You learn, I do this here, I do that over there. There are certain places you do things. You understand that. You don't, you don't get in the middle of a pool and eat dinner. You understand that. There's certain things you do in certain places for certain reasons. And there's a reason he put this here. Now, hear this. Once you say all that, it always triggers another thought. Turn the page. Here you go. You ready? It always triggers this thought. And, I, and I've got to just touch it, and I'm not going to stay here long, but I want to just say two things. One thing about living together and one thing about same-sex marriage. If I can lump them both together, and I will, I will deal with this in another setting in, in more detail. But I just want to drop it in, and just, I'll come back to it later. The Bible says marriage is between a man and a woman. That's what the Bible says. Now, I understand that as, as you read the first note I made, the world doesn't agree with that. The culture now is rising to say, that's not, that's not, that's not right. It should be whatever you want. That's fine to believe, but that is not what the Bible says. Now, here, now, here's what I want, I want you to do. Now, Christians get really holy here, and I get some really loud amens in a minute if I keep going because they want me to bash people, and let me tell you what I'm not going to do. Somebody, somebody said to me in the last service, they said, you know, thank you for what you said because my daughter's gay. See, when it's your child, when it's your son, when it's your friend, when it's someone you know, when it's a coworker who's incredibly faithful or an employee who's incredibly faithful, you don't have the right because you have a different, different uh, agree, you, don't, you have a different viewpoint as a Christian to be mean to anybody and, and to deny that person the right to have a happy life. 
You don't have the right to impose at every family reunion your religious arrogance and your religious opinion and to come in a room with a condescending spirit. You don't have the right to do that. That's not like Jesus. Jesus loved everybody. And if you can't love everybody, gay, straight, crooked, whatever you call it, whatever it is, up, down, you have to learn how to love everybody. Come on, say amen if you hear me. Love everybody. Love everybody. Treat everybody fairly. And if you ever have a company, you ever have a job, you cannot, you cannot discriminate that based upon your personal religious viewpoints. I think sometimes we're arrogant and we don't get it. So that's for now. I'll come back to that later. Here's the second point. I may disagree, but I must love you and make you feel like I love you. Yeah. And then lastly, I want to say this to you. Living together, you know, come on, people. One of the things that's really so common in our culture, but I get it. You know why? Because I thought I would be living together. I never planned to get married. I never did. I was raised by a single parent. I never planned to ever, ever get married. Let me be clear. I never planned to get married, ever. <laughs> Ever. I never dreamed to be married. I never thought about being married. You know, you daydream, I wish I had a wife and children, not me. I never dreamed that. Never, ever. Never, ever, ever. I had a bad, I had a bad view of marriage. You know why? Because I don't know, I just never, if you're never around it, you don't know. All I knew was to get married and the women take half your stuff. That's all I knew. I was in California. Here's what I used to say. <laughs> Here was my view. This is true. Now, this is the truth. This is terrible. I was about nine years old. I said, if I ever got married, a woman tried to take my house, I'd just burn it down. We both live outside. <laughs> That was awful. What kind of nine-year-old thinking is that? It's terrible. Terrible. So my point is, I understand that you can think this is okay, but I've learned it's just not. It's just, it's not the best. You know, pause for a second. Think about what you're doing. Covenant is where the power is. I take you to be my lawfully wedded wife till death do us part. I take you, Ricky Temple, with your handsome self, to be my husband. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's something about the covenant, people. That makes a huge difference. Well, now, let me give you four tips, and then I got a surprise for you. You ready? Four tips. Number one, here's how you stay free. It's not on your notes, so write this down. Now you got to write something. You ready? Some of you so spoiled, you don't know how to write anymore. Number one, be honest with yourself. Say that with me, please. Come on. I'm tempted. Say that to yourself. I know. I, yes, I, 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 I see that salad, and I want to go over there and praise the Lord. Say hello to that new person I just saw. Say that, and say, and be honest about your intent. Don't say you're going over there to pray. You ain't going to pray. <laughs> Get over there and can't even remember what the Bible verse Genesis is. Can't find the book of Genesis. If you see somebody and you can't find Genesis when you open the Bible, you know you need to go home. Praise God. I, I can't even find Genesis. I don't know where. <laughs> I can't find nothing. You tracking with me? All right, number two. Number two. Stay away. Stay away. If you stay away, you won't go off. What did I say? Okay, I'm going to give you only three today. You ready? Here's the third one. It's just three. Tell somebody. That'll stop you. <laughs> you keep it to yourself, you'll do it again. The Bible says, confess your faults one to another. Yeah. Now, here's a question. Somebody said, Pastor Rick, I got one question for you. Just one question. As I close, one, uh, just like so I can interrupt your sermon, ask you one question. Have you ever? Seeing somebody. I know you're a man of God, and I know you're holy and you love Jesus and all that, but it's just an honest question. You ever, you ever seen somebody and said, oh, my? You ever had an oh, my moment? 
Everybody said, oh, my. I mean, come on, you know you see somebody, and they Pastor Rick, like, come on, Pastor Rick, now, all these times. I know you love Jesus and the Bible. <laughs> but have you had a, oh, my, look at her a moment. Yeah. Yeah. But I also said, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I, I dying to tell you, I said, oh, she got a bad spirit. <laughs> uh, Sometimes Christina look at me. I said, Christina, she got a bad spirit. Come here. She got a bad spirit. What you talking about? She, she, she. <laughs> bad spirit. Bad spirit. <laughs> Sometimes this is daddy. Nobody got us. Daddy told you it's a bad spirit. Get over here. standing right there. Bad spirit. Jesus. Cha-cha-cha-cha-cha. <laughs> Trying to trap me and pull me in. And, you know, I know, I know how this good-looking guy and everything. I understand the pressure. So, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just having fun. You enjoy today? Come on, give Lord a big hand if you did. All right. Well, I pray you were blessed by today's message. I pray you received insight into how off track we can all get and how easy it is to lose your perspective. Run when you need to, stand when you should, and watch God bless your life. Next week, we turn and we talk about failure, how to respond to failure. When you mess up and you end up in a place you don't want to be, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 shows us a key that will unlock some great truth for you. So buckle up and see you next week. It's going to be great as we close out the sermon series, What Happened to Our Families. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's message from Pastor Ricky Temple. Watch more encouraging messages from Pastor Rick at www.rickytemple.tv. If you'd like a copy of this message, click on the bookstore tab at rickytemple.com where you can watch Pastor Rick live and get information about our ministry. Join us next time for another uplifting message.